0: Hi everybody, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about the secret sex lives of Bluegill, (laughs) thanks for listening. How
1: are we doing? I am doing great, Riley. So just, you can probably see already, uh, just we finished the move. We are, I'm in my new little home office right now. Love it. It's great. I know we're, I'm not doing it from our single bedroom apartment where Rachel has to wait to use the bathroom, like in between takes. (laughs) So she's happy. I'm happy. This is great. I have a little bit of a commute now. But it's not so bad. The biggest issue I had with moving. Shout out to U-Haul for this story. <laughs> so, <laughs> sponsor. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. U-Haul. <laughs> it's not a good plug. Don't worry. Uh oh. So, so the plan was to move Sunday, Saturday morning. So yeah. I was going to get the U-Haul Friday morning. Rachel and I were going to pack Friday, and then we would just get up and leave Saturday morning, first thing, yeah. right? Just throw the bed in there or whatever. Yeah so monday i call up u-haul or res- do a reservation online for a truck so we're good to go all i have to do is just go and grab it on friday mm-hmm. so we roll up to this place on friday talk to this woman she seems like she has no idea what we're talking about with the u-haul she's like oh let me call my boss calls her boss she she just comes over and just says yeah we don't have any trucks I go, <laughs> <laughs> so now what do we do
0: this the auburn u-haul place yeah I was like, there's just a bunch of characters
1: i was like so now what do we do and she says well you can call like this 1-800 number for u-haul and i said okay so then rachel and i left and then i was like you know what actually let's just go to home depot because home depot has like those budget trucks you can rent right yeah so go over to home depot talk to the guy there he says oh so those you have to re- like call penske or whatever to reserve this so okay call penske and the kid was like, yeah, those are already reserved. They're just waiting for people to get picked up. So all those trucks are reserved. And I go, mm-hmm. okay, do you have anything within like a 50 mile radius? And mm-hmm. he said, let me look it up. Takes like five or 10 minutes. Says, no, no trucks available within 50 miles. And I was like, okay, this is great. Yeah. So I called budget truck, same thing. Call U-Haul again. And then I asked them, nothing within 50 miles. So then I'm looking at Rachel and we're just like, what do we do now? And I was like, okay. What if I call U-Haul back, ask if they have a truck where we're moving, which is about an hour away from Auburn. Oh, smart. So we drive an hour, go get it, drive back. But then when we go to drop the truck off tomorrow, it's just right there. We don't have to pay extra because it's somewhere else. So that's what we ended up doing. So we drove there, picked up the truck, turned around, loaded it up, and then we were good to go. So yeah, shout out to U-Haul, you know, for... That's shy, Yeah, that was very frustrating. I remember
0: that U-Haul guy there he also did like costumes for auburn like football and like he was telling <laughs> me about it when he was like loading me up or you know mm-hmm. i was like that's that's all he's like this is my this isn't my um you know this is my main gig this is just a side gig to get me through <laughs> i was like I surely all the best but <laughs> can i go like, like we're it's, like ready to go
1: <laughs> this whole situation just reminded me do you remember that seinfeld episode where Jerry reserves a car and <laughs> yeah, they don't have yeah. the car he's like i don't think you know how a reservation works you see you can hold the reservation but oh you gosh. don't know how to hold on to the car you know it's exactly You're like, like you i want, wanted to have you the- want
0: insurance you like i'm going to beat the crap out of this thing yeah <laughs> yeah uh, that's right that's
1: funny oh man but that's that's all that's going on here it's over yeah you're moved in we're moved in you're out of auburn a
0: bittersweet man
1: i know it is bittersweet i thought the commute was gonna be worse than it is but it's actually not bad i don't mind it at least right now i'm two weeks into it so um um yeah did you have one
0: final cannibal in the brooks
1: (laughs) (laughs) we still have the apartment until for another about month now because the apartment place never got back to me i was like oh the next person can move in if they want crickets i was like fine whatever yeah interesting Mm -hmm. if i have if i have a late night at the office i'll just like pass out on the floor in there (laughs) That's funny (laughs) it's the bare hardwood floor (laughs) Uh, but yeah um it's yeah it's definitely bittersweet being away from auburn but you know rachel's got a adult job with adult money so you know
0: yeah, are you just like feed me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we're right. trying to keep it fifty-fifty. Trying. <laughs> yeah, but what yeah, do you guys got nice. going on?
0: Um, you know, Sam is pregnant as all else, so she <laughs> she's she's doing it. But she's she, been a trooper, so we've been on the canoe a couple times. Oh wow! We did one day did we canoed eight miles? And then we hiked eight eight miles. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Poor Sam. What are you doing to her? Yeah,
0: but then between there, we got these, like, there's a cheeseburger place or burger place, Uh, and it's, like, a 100. It's from 1908. It's been going since 1908. So she got, like, two cheeseburgers refueled, (laughs) and then we just kept on glomping. And and, uh, I didn't realize it was going to be that long, but whatever. Then, uh, yeah, it's actually really dry here. Okay. it's kind of weird looking at like all the um the river super low too, so we went hmm. two days ago on the river and I found a ten point buck
1: oh. A shed oh shoot like Did a, you keep
0: a it head yeah, dude I should send nice. you a photo like it's like uh yeah. it just like sticking out of the water and like we floated past, and I was like, mm. slunk
1: and I grab mm-hmm. it so um That's
0: I'm gonna awesome. put it in my office,
1: yeah, for sure,
0: but it has like a bunch of like algae growing on it and stuff, That's so it's awesome. like green, it's weird
1: you got to make up a great story on how you got that buck
0: yeah dude i told everybody already oh <laughs> uh, man but uh okay. That yeah just budget budget season outreach so so much outreach oh, is happening okay. right now too okay and uh nice. yeah finances outreach okay county fair mm-hmm.
1: county fair
0: yeah dude. Apparently, I'm, I'm manning the bingo station. Oh, that's fine. I was like, we'll count this at Outreach, <laughs> yeah. too. So it's <laughs> like it's outreach. fine. It's like each organization has to do bingo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, so, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, that's easy. Yeah, man. Simple enough. Okay, nice.
0: But uh, yeah, so you anything else? Or are you ready to you ready to dive into the Blue Guild?
1: Um. Well, I found so I found this article talking about the there was a Supreme Court case going on between the U.S. government and the Navajo Nation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just tell me about this. Yeah, so more or less the Navajo Nation, so they they filed a lawsuit against the U.S. government uh, because they were encroaching on their land and like, you know, their water rights. It's mostly around their water rights. You know, they have rights to these, to these uh, adequate supply of water. Uh, these were treaties that were signed in the 1800s. Yeah. And the Supreme Court just ruled today actually in a five four vote against Ooh, the Navajo nice. nation. So
0: and it's um is I wonder if it's like is like I don't know if there's a drought in that area, but is there like drought affecting it or what? You know what
1: I'm saying? sure there is. Um <laughs> I'm trying to look through the article right now. Um No, you're fine. And uh yeah.
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that treaty rights stuff, man, that's, yeah, don't mess around with that.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing is that the U.S., the so the federal government is trying to kind of get in there to access that water for surrounding neighborhoods. And, you know, the Navajo Nation at least thought they had the right to that water going back to 1868, it says. Um, but that doesn't, unfortunately, seem to be the case. So... Speaking of...
0: um supreme court decisions my yeah. friend any day mm. now for student loans any oh day. it was I, like literally <laughs> they expected like tonight hmm. so um i know i think we chatted about the pros and cons of what's happening but um still interesting to see what they're gonna do
1: okay also yeah. in defense of the of the navajo so i'm, yeah, I'm sorry no no, no, no you're, you're
0: back, good i interrupt you
1: No, 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 you're good. I was, it gave me time to skim this article a little more. (laughs) So the tribe's actual lawsuit wasn't necessarily to prevent the U.S. government from accessing the water at all. So in their own words, um, they were really, they really just wanted to make sure that the government was formulating a plan to identify the water rights for the tribe. But I guess the Supreme Court ruled that that's not even necessary. So... Ooh, yeah and this is yeah. this is out in the western u.s you know obviously a very arid region that is having at least was having a really bad drought recently but i know right now lake mead is filled up to full capacity again so nice. the mead is flowing mm-hmm. yum, yum. Um, <laughs> but well, yeah it's yeah it's interesting and unfortunate um yeah i think just out there it's kind of like a zero-sum Kind of game when you're talking about. Unfortunately, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But.
0: At what point are we gonna be like, people in this area? Gotta gotta go. Yeah, like, or if there's like ever like a population cap based off of resource amount, you know what I'm saying?
1: A carrying capacity more or less basically for people like, yeah. like
0: there's, i'm sorry there's just no water yeah. right i mean like, you'd
1: think so I, i'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people moving out of la for more or less that reason i um, know
0: duluth in Min- minnesota it's right on lake superior but like mm-hmm. they're getting a lot of like literal movement because of climate because hmm. it's like uh i don't know it's considered like a climate resilient spot because oh. of all the water you know what i'm saying Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like it's like that's yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't,
1: yeah, speaking would putting not have guessed to But, I mean, yeah. talking about people moving out of an arid place, but we're talking, you can also just think of Las Vegas, Nevada, is just getting built up more and more. So they already no. have, so they have a hockey team. They have an NFL team. They're about to get a baseball team in the Oakland A's. So you're, you're just kind of moving all the people around these different desert cities.
0: <laughs> Wait, the Oakland A's are going to... Las Vegas are they creating their own team?
1: Most likely. They're they're oh, moving them. I don't okay. think anything's done and dusted yet, but it seems highly likely.
0: Remember in the Lakers, LA stole Minnesota's <laughs> basketball team?
1: I that, that's that's another topic we should probably we could probably do a whole podcast on that, stuff like that. Um, okay. I'll different you, mascots, leave of the sports. <laughs> different mascots, but I I don't know why it never clicked growing up that I was like, Oh, they're just the Lakers. It doesn't mean anything. And then growing up, I was like, there's no lakes in LA. I know. <laughs> and
0: then from Minnesota side, I'm like, thieves! <laughs> What's
1: well, like Dallas, too. The Dallas Stars, right?
0: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, they Minnesota, used to be like the, the... the Minnesota North Stars. Yeah, that's it. People oh, yeah, yeah. love that. They still wear all that gear. Hmm. Well, I should say, whatever. If you go to a hockey game, there's always, even yeah, yeah, if it's yeah, like yeah. A, a like a college game, mm-hmm. there's always some duebus and a... Um, north star jersey and they're like yeah <laughs> Dude,
1: so you guys you guys love your hockey up there
0: i don't know I'm, i played for a couple of years but it's too expensive man
1: oh did you really play
0: like peewees you know what I'm saying? Uh, Nothing okay like, yeah not even probably like <laughs> elementary school right so uh, okay i couldn't stop <laughs> gotcha yeah
1: it's just in the culture up there
0: All right, dude. Are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready. Let's get into the sex life of BlueGill.
0: Yeah, the secret sex life of BlueGill.
1: OK, let's do it.
0: Yeah, I'll just keep, I'll keep going. I'll, I have been able to cut this out. I was going to title this like the rowdy sex life <laughs> of BlueGill, but I thought that would, you know, let's keep it a little little, little less, you know, rowdy Risky. is just, it's such a harsh word. You know what I'm saying? It's just got a rowdy. <laughs> yeah. so, um yeah so we're gonna be talking about bluegill my probably second favorite fish
1: oh really it's that high on your they're, list
0: they're, yeah second favorite it's what's, they're just charismatic you know
1: okay what, what's it's your favorite, favorite. pray tell?
0: uh northern pike
1: oh okay that's a good one just that's just good... the blue grabbing one but mm-hmm. um
0: so bluegill for those of you who don't know you know it's a sunfish species and i guess I'm not sure if it can be interchangeable, the the sex traits that we'll be talking about with other sunfish species. I'm pretty sure it is, but I know bluegill for sure. So we're going to go with bluegill. Um, If you're down south, you might know it as brim or bream. So um, it's a forage fish, but not really. It's like it's, you know, it's its own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But so of all the, let's just get started. We'll get into it. So. Of all the fish in freshwater ecosystems, there are few, my words, as important as bluegills.
1: Oh, wow. That is a bold that statement. That is a bold statement, my friend.
0: But I say this because um, bluegill and other sunfish species, they are like the engines of North American food webs, aquatic food webs, okay? Okay. Do you say you bass fishermen out there think of how many zooplankton, little bugs, the, a bass would have to eat to maintain enough energy to grow? Whereas, how many how much energy compared to one sunfish? Um, And if you fished a bass pond without many forage fish like bluegills or other small fish, uh, you'd certainly catch stunted, skinny, weird looking, jaunty bass. Um, So the bluegill and other sunfish, they serve as this much needed bridge between zooplankton and larger fish. It's like the connector, the middle guy, okay? I'm pro middle guy. Um, as bluegill are major prey species, they have adopted reproductive strategies to compensate for this reality. So they know genetics through time that they are getting just hammered. Okay. And <laughs> you could think of, you know, that's why most fish species, they, you know, reproduce in such large numbers. And so it's like, you know, success in numbers, but like for, for bluegill specifically, it's like, dude, like we gotta pump it out and... There's gotta be many offspring that grow quickly to survive to maturity. That's a bluegill go. Um, also in this, bluegill can spawn many times over a single season, um, and fertilized eggs hatch in just three to four days. So you got, and I mean, Matt, you saw this one weird. So Matt and I, we did uh, a couple of like whole pond studies mm-hmm. and uh, within there, we threw in some bluegill. And yeah, you could see, over a season they could three four times and you'd see these little age classes of smaller you know fingerlings a little bit bigger Mm a little bit bigger you are like oh my god like they are just pumping out offspring it's just ridiculous
1: yeah it's pretty impressive especially because those were what tenth of an acre ponds they were really small systems so i just i I didn't i didn't think they were going to do that well in there but they absolutely thrived
0: frequent and rapid reproduction but that is not just the only thing that bluegills have to ensure success into the future for their, their species. Uh, they utilize, and this is really interesting, not many species have this, a genetic polymorphism rare in freshwater ecosystems. Hmm. This includes four different sexual types compared to the two usually observed. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. ever heard about this, man?
1: I believe I have. Yeah. But I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let yeah. let, let you do your thing.
0: Yes. So again, this is really, you know, marine s- systems, like this, is like, a, you know, more commonplace still mm-hmm. by like, I guess, I don't know, I'm not a marine biologist, but like, it's fractional what's happening in freshwater like this, this to occur. And, um, <laughs> so let's, let's describe the players as I'm going to call it. The, the players, the sexual players of the rowdy bluegill spawn. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're rowdy. Um, so, let's describe the bluegill process for spawning. The first two are your ones that you probably think of. You got adult males, mm-hmm. termed parental males, and adult females termed parental females. Uh, you know, typical life cycle, uh they grow for a couple years, increase in body size to reach sexual maturity. Parental males first re- reach sexual maturity at age 7. So pretty late in the game for forage fish, right? Wow,
1: yeah. Interesting. Um,
0: they are the nest makers. So in the spring and throughout the summer, you might see these craters and like gravel beds, mm-hmm. sandy gravel beds. Really, you know, they, they can do it in mud too. They don't care. Like if that's the <laughs> substrate, they're going to go for it. And um, these are parental males that make these nests, and they are the garters of eggs until they hatch. Hmm. Uh, Typically, the larger the size, they'll have, you know, these striking color, dark orange, like, cheeks, greenish on top, Mm -hmm. um, and a pronounced dark spot on their gill flap Mm -hmm. that can be dark, bluish color, blue gills. Boom. Mm -hmm. Not the gills, literally, the the gill flap. The Mm operculum, potentially?
1: Operculum, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Yeah. there it is. Words. So we got parental males. Then we have parental females. They reach reproductive age at age four.
1: Oh wow, yeah, it okay. still feels like a long uh, time.
0: It is yeah bigger in size, um, where their eggs are, you know, they, they get bigger when the eggs are ripe, but you know, they're typically smaller than those parental males, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, they are, you know, they get larger, darker spot on their gills, lighter orange chest, lighter on top. So if you like held a male female up, there can be some, little difference in their coloration and size, mm-hmm. but obviously that's age too dependent. So but alas, Matt, there are two more types of males mm. in this, in this <laughs> menagerie, okay? <laughs> and the first one is, and I'm not making this up, cuckold males, mm-hmm. that is the scientific name for it. And I, when I was taught this, uh, they were termed sneaky, yeah. F-U-C-K-E-R-S, mm-hmm. sneaky peppers. Um, I think, which I thought was just wild. I was like, the golden age of science is over. You know, <laughs> they just got away with hey, everything.
1: Some sometimes that uh, you know, that's that's just the word. I know? mean, cuckold males is not very yeah. much better. Hey, there's a if you want to keep this in the podcast, keep it. But there is a term for in fisheries biology that you use. It's big old fat f- fecund females. <laughs> Boffs, Boffs, man! Look it up. Big old fat fecund females. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Look up Uh, Boffs.
0: So yes, we'll be talking about cuckoldry today, everyone. Mm -hmm. And so cuckold males, these are smaller size males. They cannot, you know, gram for gram, physically compete with parental males. Um, But cuckold males have a different advantage. They reach sexual maturity faster at age two, so you got seven versus mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. Um, as well as a few other advantages that we'll cover in a little bit. Uh, so cuckold males, you might also, the, the, the sneaker males is another more mellow term mm-hmm. uh, for the smaller type. Um, so why are they called sneaker males, Matt? Here we go. When parental male and females begin to mate, the sneaker male will dart, sneak, you know, into the nest, where, you know, like out of the eye of the parental male and try to fertilize their eggs quickly as it's happening and then dart out of there. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're in, they're out, sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so that's the that's the third uh genetic polymorphism. Now we have one more. It's called the mimic female. So um, oh so this 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 is the second version of the cuckold male. So you got mm-hmm. sneaker male, mimicked female. oh i thought
1: they were the same interesting i didn't realize they were actually separate
0: separate and this is a male remember females are a little bit smaller than like parental males Mm -hmm. and they mimic color patterns um, size all that as a normal female so mimic females would enter into a nest when mating is going to occur and they're going to try to fertilize so I, I wrote this a little bit ago. I know I always say that, but uh, I can't remember if there is portions when two normal females would enter into a male's nest. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I wonder if it may just be he doesn't see a he doesn't see that potential like that female in air quotes as a threat to. I think you know, that's fertilize those eggs. because yeah, I don't know?
0: think it's like a a group, <laughs> an origin like a group effort, yeah, yeah. if you will. <laughs> So I think it's just one one on one, but mm-hmm. there would be, I guess, you know, a school quote unquote a, a gathering of <laughs> female male um uh, with the fertilizing's happening. And uh but yeah, because of their size and coloration, the big females uh, they have that camouflage to protect them from being found by an angry parental male. Mm-hmm. So again, remember the prayers parental male, parental female, sneaker male, mimicked female, male.
1: And these are just to be 100% clear, these are all like genetically predetermined. So, like when a bluegill male comes out of the egg, it's he's either going to be a full on adult, he's going to oh, be a sneaker, a or question. he's going to be a
0: mimic. Yes. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. it's, yeah, because it, it didn't show like physical, mm-hmm. um, not where I read at least, mm-hmm. you know, like water temp or something, for example. Yeah. Not super interesting reassuring. in the fact yeah. that
1: it's not only a behavioral trait that can, that gets passed down, but it's a like actual morphological change. And the yeah. fact that it's within the same species is just absolutely bananas.
0: Look at Matt's love it. And I knew he'd love I do. It. I, I love, love it. it. This Matt's is so cool. Of a nerd than me. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's go a little bit deep dive into the spawn. Okay. So uh, when spawning begins, let's back it up parental males will build these crater-like nests on gravel substrates, like we talked about. Water temperatures, 67 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit, that's like when it begins, okay? okay. Um, it is suggested that larger parental males will have the dominant nest spots uh, within a pond, greater preference, to, you know, better gravel beds, and potentially it's gonna lead to more success in um, in, in finding a mate. Print of males will drive other males and anything else that comes to their nest. Uh, you got gill flaring, charging, pecking, biting, and so on. Uh, this is why fishing the bluegill spawn is so freaking fun, is because you drop down anything and they will get some serious action. Then right? oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the print of females arrive. Okay, and the spaghetti begins. Uh, gravid females will enter into the nest. Uh, of the print of males, they have chosen with the choicest gravel beds. Uh, The eggs and milk are released in unison and they fertilize the eggs. Um, But again, this is just one way that the scenario can play out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this happens multiple times over a season, which is great. Um, That's why these are the powerhouse, the engines of the North American (laughs) food web, okay? And (laughs) I don't know why I wrote this, But I put lurking in the background are the sneaker males, so (laughs) I guess that's a little pros prosy. Waiting,
1: waiting to strike. (laughs) Uh, Lurking. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, okay, sneaker males and the mimicked females.
1: You're not. You're not wrong though. They are probably lurking there.
0: (laughs) It's just they're waiting. So predatorial. (laughs) Um, and these male types dare not get close to parental males um, in the nest. Otherwise they'd be physically removed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when a female bluegill enters into the nest uh, and they know that the parental male has its attention elsewhere, uh, it will enter the nest. Last second, this is like, (laughs) they have video of this, it's pretty wild. Like it's like right now that you see the sneaker male dart in, boom, the, the milled eggs, everything's happening. Wow. male out, so it's pretty wild, wow, um, and then, yeah, the mimicked female at a lesser aggressiveness would follow suit, get in there, leave the area unexposed un hmm. un unexposed, I guess it's being unexposed, so mm-hmm. um that is it's basically it, but there's a little bit of a little extra, so um so that that's the process, uh unique way of breeding found in bluegills and this does raise the question why 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 this mm-hmm. now, this could be for a number of reasons most likely it's pre- protecting genetic diversity and diversifying mm-hmm. spawning methods uh really like seven years for a you know forage fish to to spawn is pretty crazy you know? yeah like uh leaving the population at risks if you have a variation in sexual ages like m- m- males again it, and they cut open a couple of those like cuckold males in the one paper I was reading. And it's like, mm-hmm. literally like it's guts. It's just like, <laughs> like reproductive organs. It's just sperm. What? Like it's wow. crazy. Like it's just their little sperm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's, that's it. That's interesting.
1: Well, I yeah. mean, it's, uh, this is really fascinating to me because it's, I mean, if you look at most other animals, right. It's like everyone's on the same page as far as like the strategy they're going to take for oh. reproduction. Right. So if you look yeah. at, I don't know, like deer, elk, all those ungulates. They're like, you got to get really big antlers. You got to impress a female. Pretty pretty straightforward. But yeah. with these guys, yeah, you have either, you're going to be like physically more dominant or you're just going to put all your eggs into the reproductive, <laughs> the gonads basket yeah, and I hope know. for the best. They're just little, little yeah.
0: um So yeah, it's hedging against disaster, okay, occurring in the population, that's what it's for. You know, another a little more, I guess, another nuanced opinion would be that like the mimicry is for, so one idea is like, it's progressing the, the whole genetics and like success of the population, but mm-hmm. maybe those cuckold male, like polymorphisms that are occurring. It's it's for the benefit of the other males that would not spawn otherwise.
1: Yeah, no, for sure.
0: So it's reducing male to male competition,
1: mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. a little bit
0: of both. Right. That's true, so, yeah. Yeah, I just like, like, I like evolution. It's like, yeah, did the species get together and be like, this is this is what we're doing. Or like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of everything.
1: Hey, man, um, life finds <laughs> a way, you know.
0: I know. And uh, yeah, I mean, because obviously within species competition hurts the species. Mm-hmm. So if there's a way that can also ensure success. Yeah. Um, that's basically all I have. But one more thing. Oh. <laughs> So there was one of another funnel of research article I read um, and it was can like male, again, male bluegill, parental male bluegill, they guard the nest. And it's like, there was a question in the research about like, can this bluegill, male parental bluegill, um, can it determine the fertilized, like if an egg's fertilized, is it his eggs or something oh. else? Can they tell? Um, so in this study, they used the phrase parasitic male for the cuckold male. Yeah. Um, So what they did was they, they kind of like decided through observation, I'm assuming like, is like, if, if they were able to tell, like, is it visually, can they visually tell or is it chemical Mm -hmm. cues or like what, if you put an egg in front of them, will they know? so scientists captured wild parental males and exposed them to eggs and fry, newly hatched larva for everybody, we mm-hmm. are so on the same page, uh, from either their own nest or different males' nest. And so when they did the first one, they found that you know cannibalism of eggs was recorded uh, visually. So what they did was like they, they put these eggs in there, uh, just the eggs, like rinsed off almost, right? And just like, put them in. He was like, here All you right. go, can you tell? And that male started pecking and eating, cannibalizing huh. his and the other, you know, parasitic male egg types. Uh, but so in the next bo- experiment s- So his
1: own you know, and not his own eggs. So he didn't he didn't seem to be able to tell. Okay. Visually. Okay.
0: Then okay. the next one they they like redid the experiment with like the nest of the, the male, uh, but they also like grabbed water. I'm thinking they took like a like a van door bottle and was like snap right like mm. in front of like the nest mm-hmm. and in this case males would only produce on the fry that were not his own suggesting that chemical cues
1: oh. coming from his
0: nest he could tell that like hey these are not my eggs and just started numbing down a little bit
1: interesting i know huh like these don't it. smell like more but like huh.
0: yeah so no
1: that's uh, interesting
0: there you have it
1: Nice. I,
0: freshwater again can be a little bit more interesting than marine. So that's great. Freshwater, everyone.
1: That's great. I don't mean to take the sting out a little bit. I did yeah. remember watching. I, I needed to Google something real quick to see yeah. if I was right. Elephant seals. It's something similar, really, because you have like the dominant male of the colony and it has it's like in charge of all the females. Yeah, and they're like the little males, and then when he's not looking, they just run in and kind of do their thing, and then they run out again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the strategy seems to work so <laughs> love
0: will find a way that's that should be like the other the outro title
1: that should be you know what rename the podcast to that rename the episode to love <laughs> love not, finds a way
0: not secret sex lives of no. Google. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love finds a way there you go <laughs> uh,
0: dude. but nice okay. job man thank you all
1: right that is it so yeah we'll see you next week for sure if anyone has any feedback or yes. any ideas for future podcasts, feel free to shoot us an email over at fwperspectivespodcast at gmail.com. I will see you next week, Riley.
0: All right. Bye, man.